0: What you are about to hear is a lesson taught in the buried and born essentials class for more information or to download all the resources made available in this class click the link in the episode description or visit buriedandborn.com and now this week's essentials class okay we're in the book now i would just want to i'm you're going to see here that i'm starting at question 14. let me explain to you why um, so the the book kind of writes the whole story, and then it goes back and starts question one, two, three, and we've covered everything that are in the first thirteen questions. It was about sin, faith, and repentance, and so we've already covered that. I'm jumping ahead, and we're going to go up to what happens after faith and repentance. Um, and so, yeah. I pray. And so let, we're going to start with uh, question number 14 today. And I, we'll, we'll see how this works. But what I'd like to do is when we have a few of these questions, I'd like to take a, a look at some of the verses that we have uh, in in reference to it so that we're uh, keeping the scripture on the forefront. So uh, I might ask for someone to grab a passage for me and, and do the reading uh uh, itself in the class. So, uh, But this is question 14. So we talked about repentance and faith, and now the question is this. What should we do as a sign of our repentance and faith? <laughs> and the answer is this. After receiving instruction in faith, I should be baptized into the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, thus joining his body, the church. If I have already been baptized, I should confess my sins, seek the guidance of a minister, affirm the promises made at my baptism, and take my place as a member of the church. A long time ago, or maybe just a few weeks, uh, I had said to you—I can't remember—I uh, had said to you that we all love, or and we all live in a world where um, uh, uh, we we live and breathe that term liturgy. Um, uh, when we go to a baseball game, we know when it's time to take our caps off, and uh, we we know about living and breathing rhythms, and we know when something is more sacred and more important than something else. This past. Uh, on Black Friday, we had put up the tree, and we spent the whole day doing all these things, and and we put up the tree, and Liam asked to put the angel up, so Liam puts the angel at the top of the tree, and I, I clicked, and I hit the lights, and it was on, and we were sitting there and watching a movie together, and that's when Chase came to me, and he said, Dad, we did it wrong. I said, what do we do wrong? And he said, we're supposed to, everyone stands around the tree, and you count down three, two, one, and we turn the lights on. And so Chase recognizes that the turning on of the lights for the first time is significant. It's a different, it's a, it's a, it's a moment in time that's significant, that represents something. Uh, and so the church has these things, baptism being one of them. And so we're going to, we, I want to talk about baptism a little bit today. I'm, I'm going to read for you um, this Psalm 51, five, 7 if someone would be willing To grab 1 Peter 3, 18 through 22, that will be helpful to you. But I'm going to go to Psalm uh, 51, 5 through 7. Psalm 51, David is uh, confessing his sins. Uh, He's repenting here. And this is what Psalm 51, uh, 5 through 7 says. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Um, how many of you, at any point in your Christian life, after having believed on Jesus Christ for your salvation, have questioned or doubted your own salvation or whether or not you yourself were forgiven of your sins? At any point, have you questioned that? What? Well, okay, I thought it would be more of you. Has anybody ever, honest, because I did. I mean, I used to sit in church. Boy, I used to sit in church and repeat over and over the gospel so I could be like, did I get it right? Did I get the specifics of it? I used to just over and over again. Um, Now, how many of you in this room have been baptized? You've actually been baptized. Okay, now, how many of you have ever doubted or forgotten that you've been baptized? What's the difference? (laughs) Water was when I <laughs> Okay, this is good. This is good. What's what's the difference? Why is it that you could doubt your salvation, but nobody doubts the moment of their baptism? Because well, other people saw it. Other people saw it. It's like a physical, physical, physical thing. It's a physical thing. It's something that actually happened. And this is what is one of God's graces to us, that he has not left us simply to a, uh, a mental exercise where throughout our whole life and existence, we're just hoping did I believe right? Did I, did I think it right? Did I, did I say it right? Did I phrase it right? We can go to this moment in time and point and say, there was my washing. There was my water. There was the thing that confirms the reality that is my salvation. Uh, who's going to get Peter for me? All right, let's go, Mr. Art. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which were diso- sometime were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The like figure unto Whereunto even baptism doth also now save us? Now the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. All right. So the the thing that he said there at the beginning, I want you to focus on what Jesus does here. It says, bring us to God. Now, we know that salvation is not something that uh, can be earned or purchased, right? That's, like a, that's a big thing for us. That's, uh, it's it's, it's, it's the, the, the product of the Protestant Reformation is the, the, the big push to say we, you cannot earn salvation, you cannot earn or the, the phrase would be you cannot merit grace. What we mean there is that if, if you are able to do works to earn your salvation, Meaning, I go sit up in a mountain and I meditate until I personally reach enlightenment and at that point, because of my own personal achievement, I now have a knowledge that other people don't have and therefore I'm able to earn or figure out my salvation. That's one way. Or, I was saying we don't believe in that. That's what I meant to say. A couple people were like, what? (laughs) I meant to say that's what we don't believe in. Um, Or, I'm able to live in such a way that I have so many good works and good deeds that God would measure it out and say, oh, there's more good than there's more bad, so you can enter into eternal life. We don't believe that. Because what we'd be saying is that there is a a pathway where our works could earn us uh, up a ladder that, that, that take us up to God, right? That is what we're saying that we don't believe in. However, this, this passage in Peter says that Christ was going to bring us to God. Now, the idea of the Advent season is that God becomes man, and he comes down to us. Was, the word Advent means arrival. And so he has arrived to meet us, to gather us up together into him, and then to bring us back up to God. So this is what Christ is doing. When Paul and the apostles and the scriptures talk about works, this is what they mean. This is not what they mean. So when they talk about baptism, which now saves us, or the washing away of the sins, what it's not saying is that If you believe, and then if you repent, and if you have faith, and if you're baptized, and if you take communion, and then if you live a good life, then you get to go back up to God. What it's saying is, God is completely doing all of the works, and along the way, he gives these works to us that are not works of our flesh, but they're works of him, they're works of his spirit, and those works are for us so that we can join back up to God. Remember this, God needs nothing. God has everything, right? So he needs nothing. Therefore, when he looks to you and I, it's not that you and I can do something that gives God a good day. God's having a good day. Nothing can stop God from having a good day. He's only always uh, ever emanating joy and love. And when the scriptures talk about the wrath of God, or the scriptures talk about the anger of God. All of that is, is love coming face to face with evil. Right? There's nothing bad about a warm front coming up out of the Gulf of Mexico. There's nothing bad about a cold front coming down from the Arctic. But if you're in Oklahoma and they meet, <laughs> you're going to have a lot of death and destruction. God's love is the warm front that's coming up from the Gulf of Mexico and evil is the cold front coming down from Arctic. And the problem is when it mixes, Peter and Paul say, Oklahoma is sinners and it looks like the wrath of God is destroying them. But in all reality, it's God's love purging through evil because he is always purging out evil with his love and his mercy. Even when Jesus looks at Peter and says, get thee behind me, Satan, he's doing that out of love. Because Jesus never does anything out of, out of, out of uh, a sinful anger or wrath or frustration. Jesus isn't like, oh, I'm just so tired of you, Peter, that I exploded. Because Jesus says to Peter later on, thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we, we know that Jesus chooses Peter, calls him up to him. So we know that even in Jesus's anger, it was a corrective anger because it was out of love and mercy. Well, what he say to him? He says, the enemy is, is, is trying to sift you like wheat. And Jesus says, but Peter, I have prayed for you that thy faith fail not. So his anger is still his mercy. So there's nothing that we do that earns us favor with God. There's nothing that we do that fills up something that's lacking in God. So the question is, let's say, uh, let's say that one of us did each other wrong and we have to make reparation for that. Um, I had an issue. Ah, All right, fine. I had an issue. Kids, kids were playing at recess and there was a, there was a, there was a game being played and you know how kids play keep away and there was a, there was a game of keep away being played and somebody's hat was the thing that was getting kept away and the hat broke and at which point there had to be a, a call and you know. I had to talk to the principal and say, okay, tell me whose parent it is and we will make reparations and pay for the hat. Luckily, the hat wasn't actually broken, so I didn't have to pay for it. But the point being, because something has been damaged and wronged, we would need to make reparations for that to correct it or to fix it. But you, you can't make reparations to God because God's not the one that's broken, right? So all of the good works that are talking about in the Bible are not like, God, I read my Bible today. Are you happy with it? And God's like, it's not for me, it's for you. You see what I mean? And so my, 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 my uh, you know, a, a kid will be like, hey, Dad, I, I made breakfast this morning, but I, I, kill, I, I cleaned, the, I cleaned the, the kitchen for you. That's good for me. Thank you. I get something out of it. God doesn't get anything out of it because the only thing God gets out of anything is because he has loved us into existence, ha- he has fellowship with us. And so the works in the scriptures are not works that we do to get us to God, but there are works that Jesus does while we are doing them to take us to God. Okay, you follow me? I'm putting that there for a reason, because things like baptism and communion, we're so worried that if we call them a work, that we think that we're, we're making them out to be climbing a ladder, but they're not. Their works that Jesus is doing so that we can be taken to God. That means that in, Pastor Andrew was talking about this a few weeks ago in, in, when he was reading through the uh, old church documents and they used the phrase means of grace. Baptism is something that has something in it. It does something. Communion does something. Confession And uh, the the absolution of our sins, that does something. It has spiritual strength in it. It has real grace in it. It's not simply something we do outward to show something that's inward. It itself is doing something. Not because you're doing it, but because Christ is doing it. Yes? On the communion point that there's, um, I don't know exactly how it's worded, basically if you're taking it unworthy, that's a bad thing? Mm-hmm. So how does that kind of correlate with everything? Well, to take the, to take the Lord's to take the Lord's supper unworthily, okay. two things. Paul's specifically talking in that passage to people who were uh, uh, divided, right? And so, on the one, You've got the, you're basically, the the church is standing up and going, hey, guys, we're going to have a a feast. And at the end of the feast, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. So everybody brings something. And what you have is this portion of the church is really wealthy. And so they're bringing lamb chops and steaks and et cetera, et cetera. And the other side of the church is like, we don't really have a lot. So we we have some like Aldi stovetop stuffing. And then what happens is these guys plan the party and they get there and they're having a party. And these guys over here are uh, kind of left out. Because they're the poorer ones, okay. That's that's number one. The body of Christ is the same as your body and mine. There's not a piece of it over there and a piece of it over there. If the whole body is not together, it's a it's a it's an invalid meal. Number two, it says, "Let a man examine himself uh, to see whether or not that I'm taking the body for the purpose of the body. The purpose of the body and blood of Christ is to heal me. If I am in arrogance, taking the body and the blood of Christ and going." Look at how much better I am than you, or uh, not confessing my sins or my faults to take it. He's saying you're taking this unworthily, and then he has that, that, that phrase there. That I mean, how many of you after communion? How many in th- your entire life after communion have you ever seen or heard somebody get sick and die? Not that you know, <laughs> but Paul says. <laughs> but Paul says, so let a man examine himself and take the, take the body and the blood worthily. Uh, for this cause, he says, some of you are sick, and, 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 and whether or not Paul's talking about that being a punishment or a correction by God, or some of you are sick in your sins, and the reason you're not getting out of it is because you're not taking the medicine. But what I want us to understand is that these works that we do as Christians, these are not works that we do that are ladders that get us closer to God, Right? However, don't out of a fear of these being a uh, 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 ladders, a uh, uh, fear uh, of changing your religion and being like a workspace religion out of fear, don't brush these off. I say that because I've been in settings before and some of you probably have too where someone's getting baptized and someone's or we're taking communion and the, 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 the minister spends more time telling you what it's not than by telling you what it is. So here's the Lord's Supper. Uh, uh, Saint uh, Irenaeus said, "This is the medicine of salvation," and we sit here with the body and the blood of Christ, and we go, now it's not magic. No, nah, there's no, there's no secret powers in this. There's nothing magical going on. It's just, this is just a symbol. This is just bread, and this is just juice. And it's, it's like, tell me what it is. Tell me what it's, what it's for. I want to spend most of my time talking about what it's not." Same thing with baptism. Now, nothing's happening here. That's not what the scripture says. That's not what St. Peter says right there. That's not what the Psalms is telling us. And as you all said, the Lord has graciously, because he's a spirit and we are spirit and body, what he has done is bound his grace up in physical things because that's what we are. We're spirit and physical body. And so what he's done is taken his grace and bound himself into something physical to do a spiritual thing so that we can have it and have faith and have confidence. I said, how many of you have doubted your salvation? What you doubted was the thing that you believed. You doubted your own self. But you cannot doubt baptism because you remembered how cold it was. I was baptized when I was five, and I remember my pastor holding me. I'm right here. I remember looking right there and my grandfather was in the front row of the side of the auditorium and he went like this. I remember it. I remember my baptism. And so this is why we say not I was baptized, but I am baptized. I am baptized into Christ. And it was this event, this this thing that God has done That through his grace, he's given something spiritual into something physical and he's given it a power that all together with my belief, my faith, my repentance, he has washed me and cleansed me and purged me of my sins, put me into his family, baptized literally to dip. He has dipped me into his spirit and united me in his body so that when he left earth, he now is dwelling in each one of us because he has baptized us not only with water in our baptism, but he's baptized us in the spirit At Pentecost. And so, you only get baptized once. But, use your baptism as a tool against the enemy. Because the Lord's grace was in it. And he has washed you and cleansed you and purged you of your sins. And he has, by the same self that dipped into the water, you are the same. You are dipped into the Spirit. The same self that came up out of the water, you have conquered sin and death. Because you've come up out of the grave. You are in Noah's ark. And while the entire world is being purged and flooded, the same way that we read in Peter, and Noah passed through the waters, so too you have passed through the judgment and you have been forgiven and saved. And so use your baptism as a, a, a sticking point, an anchor point in your faith to know that God has cleansed you. So when your mind, John says, our heart will condemn us, but know that God is greater than your heart. So when your heart condemns you, when your heart condemns your actions, and when your heart condemns what it is that you're believing, you always point yourself, you point Satan, back to the moment where God baptized you into his body. You didn't get baptized. The pastor didn't baptize you. The Lord Jesus Christ baptized you on the day that you were baptized. And he baptized you into his family. And now you're only baptized once, but moving forward, we get to take communion. I know Pastor Andrew's been talking about uh, reinstating it now that everything's kind of getting back to normal, hopefully. But um, when we take that communion, we take that to say, how many of you, when you prayed and asked forgiveness for a sin, or you felt sorry for a sin, it, after you left that moment of prayer, it kind of dwelt with you because you, every once in a while, you still remembered that. Yeah. I, do that with the, I do that with the kids. You know what I mean? If I, if I do something and I'm, guys, I'm really sorry, and then it'll be a Wednesday afternoon, I'll be sitting at work and I'll just remember that thing I did and it's like, oh! Crushing with guilt, right? That's the beauty of things like communion. If you took the body and you took the blood, humbly asking for the forgiveness, the Lord healed you, the Lord forgave you. And whatever sins, and, and this is where, I'm gonna step over into the mysticism part. Um, I had a conversation with somebody this past week and they were saying, what happens when you start going down the path and you you know, the little sins become bigger, 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 bigger. I said, uh, you need prayer. You need scripture. You need communion. You need church. You need confession. I said, because in all of those things, God turns on the hose of grace, pushes it right at you and, and you actually get power to conquer the chains that are on you. And so it's not just a symbolic event where we only remember. So when the Jews took part in the Passover, they, one of the first sentences they say is, what is different? Why is this night different than every other night? And it's the night that Moses led them out of Egypt. Well, why do they say, why is this night different? Because what they, what they imagine in their minds is that every time Passover comes, it's really the first Passover happening again. And all people of all time who have ever celebrated Passover are sitting there with Moses right now. That's what they they mean when they say remember. So when Jesus says, take this in remembrance of me, he doesn't mean memory. He means every time the bread is broken, every time the blood is poured, every single time, it's all of us sitting with the disciples and Jesus at that first table that first night that he broke his body and bread and said, take this. And so, when we say in remembrance, we are spiritually transported to that same moment when Jesus said, "Here, yes." Because God is an eternal now. Yes. He has no time. We have the timeline. God is an eternal now. And this. And this is why Jesus leaves, right? Because it doesn't make sense. Honestly, I'm so sick of people. No, wait, I said that wrong. Let me say the whole sentence. I'm so sick of, I'm so sick of, oh, man, let me say this right. I'm so sick of being right. I'll just say the right. I'm so sick of being right. Wow. And the world thinks that they're right. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, listen, I, I'm getting, I'm going, I am going hard, uh, toward, uh, not trying to explain away anything in the Bible anymore. You know what? Jonah got swallowed. Noah was on an ark, Whatever. Jesus, Jesus used a compass and a and a ruler, and he designed the whole universe. I don't care if you like it or not. It's how it happened. Okay, and I'm going hard towards that. And I'm so I'm so it's impossible. And which which God? And how many gods are there? And all of the only your God is right. Somebody was the other day, and I just had enough of it. And he was like, which God is the right one? Oh, all the other gods are wrong, and yours is right. And instead of arguing, I was just like, yes, <laughs> yes, I, yes, you're wrong. Come, repent, and come join us. Let's, let's, let's go. Let's, let's, I don't know. So, sometimes I'm just so sick of being right, right? I'm so so I, I really wish that Jesus would come. Now, the problem is that, like, and that's what Advent is. I really wish Jesus would get here, right? I'm going to find out I was wrong about a lot of things, too, when he gets here. But, but it's, it's like, why couldn't you just be here? But he says it's better that I leave, and that's why. Because he is not, see, see we, we are a top-down world, right? So what we need to do is we need the right president to make the right laws and have the right governors to make the right laws, and it's going to trickle down. Well, just as trickle down didn't work in the 80s economics, it doesn't work in morality, okay? Morality goes, it starts here, in the depths of the inner man, Christ is born. And then when he's born in the inner man, The inner man becomes like Christ. And then somehow, 2,000 years later, you get a room for the people who all agree on this. This thing that we haven't seen, that we haven't heard, and that we can't prove. Because Christ was born in the inner man of each of us. And so Christ begins here, always in the humble manger of the heart. He always begins in this low place, in this inner man, and he bursts out. That's why he says, You will be springs of water. Not go drink the springs of water, but you're the springs of water. You're the light of the world. Why? Because Christ formed in us, and he breaks out into the world. And so by him being gone, he is breaking space, time, and and, and matter. He's dwelling in your heart. He's dwelling in my heart. And what he's doing is he's changing and saving the world, but the outside can't see it because it doesn't ever come top down. It comes by this weird act where people dunk themselves in water and this weird thing where they have bread and they have wine and they call it the body and blood. And it's kind of creepy. And they eat it, and they say that that heals them. It's the inner man. But 2,000 years of dunking people in water and eating bread and wine, and the church is doing fine. And the church can, can, will continue to go by doing those things. And so the, 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 the point I wanted to make here about baptism in, in those, those phrases there is that God binds himself to um, the, the physical world for your sake. So when we do these things, the the, the communion or even reading the prayers or or whatever it is that we do, he's doing it not because God's going, oh, yes, yes, they ate bread and they ate wine today. Well, now I'm satisfied. What he's doing is going, I gave you the bread and the wine. I gave you the water of baptism. I gave you the uh, absolution, the confession. I gave you all the different things that he gives to the church so that you can be healed because what he's doing is in his advent, he's passing through, gathering us up, and bringing us into God. So I want you to think of works with the intent to do these works. But remember, it's not these type of works. You're working with Christ as he's doing the work, bringing you up to God. If we live over here, what we do is we get way too passive in Christianity. Jesus paid it all. And that's fine, but now I'm just going to go watch Netflix. right? And we never end up here because you've heard that joke before where the guy's like um, uh, the guy the house is flooded he's standing on his roof and he says oh God save me and a boat comes by and he says no I'm not going to get in your boat God's going to save me and then a a, a helicopter comes by and he's like no I'm not going to get in your helicopter because God's going to save me and then he dies and he drowns and he gets to heaven and he says God why didn't you save me and God's like I sent you a boat and a helicopter right you've heard that one before if not I told it really quickly but that's it You, you and I you and I are you and I are sitting here right, on our boat. And we're like, no, God, uh-uh. I don't believe any of that work stuff to get to heaven. No way, I'm not doing that. And Jesus is like, here, take, take eat, all of you. This is my body and my blood. Ah, there's no way. Now, I, even though we do it sometimes, we do it without intention. And what God is merciful enough to give us the grace, even if we don't know we're getting it. But uh, we miss out on a lot by by missing out on a lot. And so, when I say uh, to pray and read the scriptures, it's not because, hey, it's good, your mind's gonna grow. It's because, hey, in there is grace and you're getting into this balloon that's lifting up into heaven with Christ, right? So this is, this is what I want you to understand about uh, today. It was supposed to be baptism, but it's all of these works together. But this is, it, all these things that God gave us, they're not us trying to get up. It's God coming down to get us back up into him and we should look at them as, as it's, it's the metro. You're at the train station. Get on it. Get into the prayers. Get into the Bible reading. Get into the scripture. Get into fasting. Get into meditating on the words of God. Get into reading and singing the Psalms. Get get into... Uh, uh, coming to worship and, 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 and being a part of even a class and uh, reading and studying and learning about, because in these things, God is the one that's doing the work. We'll we'll get to heaven and get all these crowns and be like, wow, well, look at all these works we did. And then we're going to all realize at the same time that the crowns go at Jesus' feet because it's really the work that he's done the whole time, Amen. that he has come and that he has saved us. And so uh, that's wonderful. Well, my screen died. I don't know. Let's uh, take a minute. Let's say, let's uh, pray the Lord's prayer together, and and then uh, I'll dismiss you. We'll go to worship, and we'll actually get out of here on time today. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.